Listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. So today we're wrapping up our series on grace and truth, faith, gender, and sexuality. Um, but it's really just the beginning of continuing to live out our Christian walk and wrestling with God's word and submitting our desires to Him and following Jesus well. Remember this from this series that we are all on level ground at the foot of the cross. Amen. Your sin and my sin may be uh, different, but if we choose to live in it and not to submit to God's will, we will not experience God's best. How many people in here want the best for your friends and family? How many people know exactly what the best is for your friends and family? But I just kind of want it. The best what? The best life, the best physical health, the best emotional health, the most fulfilling life, the best financial health, the best stuff. Oh, man, I hope my kids do well in college and they have a good career so they have lots of money and they can do... Like, what is the best? There's the world's idea of what the best is, and there's God's idea of what the best is. And guess what? They are probably not the same thing. My heart for, um, for this series and for all of the people that call real life home, well, even outside of that, but is that you would experience God's best for your life. You would be completely fulfilled by understanding who you are created to be in God's kingdom and how he wants to empower you in his kingdom. Now, his best is not elusive, but it will not attack you. You have to want it. You have to seek it. You have to, you have to actually care to, 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 to listen to God's best. It's here in your very text right in front of you. His best is right here. And then he did something really cool. When Jesus Christ died and rose again and came back and was, and was sharing with his uh, disciples and then he was leaving to go sit at the right hand of the Father, he said that he was going to do something for every single person in here. He said that he was going to give you his best, and his best would actually live within you in this, uh, this term called the Holy Spirit. He said, I will give you a wise counselor. I will give you an advocate that will be with you, like internally with you. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have, like, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. So with God's word and the Holy Spirit, you can... Seek what God's best is in your life. And then he does something else really cool. He says that his best is played out in community. So with God's word, with the Holy Spirit, and with all y'all, we will understand what God's best is for all y'all, all of us, and individually. 
Amen, brother. John 14, 16. I had the poor gal in the back who's doing notes today. This is a circus. Good luck. Uh, good luck following me. Like, I'm elusive today. Um, John 14, 16 says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Jesus asked the Father to give you an advocate, to give you the Holy Spirit, to be with you, inside of you, forever. Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. What's going to overflow outside of you? The power of the Holy Spirit will overflow outside of you. And what happens when the Holy Spirit is coming out of somebody? It's getting all over everybody else. In a good and compassionate and grace-filled and truthful way. So you have the text to know what God's best is. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you to know what God's best is. And then you have this thing called community. God's best is in community. Jesus didn't come to this earth and just walk around by himself. He wasn't just like, ah, oh, just me and, me and God. He engaged and invested in community and is asking you to do the same thing. Hebrews 10, 23 says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how we may spur one another towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another all and all the more as you see the day approaching. It's interesting, the word for meeting here means uh, it's like an official meeting, like it's an official assembly. And it means, it means it, like it would include worship. Like this could be a meeting. It would include worship. It would include praying, which we're going to do. It would incur, incur, uh, include reading and teaching of God's word and hearing of his word and doing of his word together and actually studying God's word together. Man, it sounds like we should do some life groups. It's a good idea. Put that down, Carrie. We're going to do some life groups. That's a meeting. This is a meeting. I've been wrestling, like, what's the point of Sunday anymore? We don't, like, we get good messages online on the intranet. Why are you here? Why'd you come to this building? What do you need? What do you need from this building? Is this building special? Like, don't forsake, like, you may not even be here for this sermon. You may be here for somebody in this audience that God is going to connect you to today for the purpose of changing their path forever. You can't do that sitting on your couch. So now where could we find God's best? The more we are involved in God's word, we can find his best. The more that we listen to the Holy Spirit, we can find his best. And the more that we engage with his people, the closer we're going to be to God's best for our lives. Here's a quote from A.W. Tozer, who is an author and pastor. He passed away in the 60s. This is a great quote. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. 
What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. If you think that God is angry and disappointed in you, it will come out in the way that you treat others and those that you are closest to. If you don't trust him in specific areas of your life and you withhold certain areas of your life from God, you're kind of a Christian. You're a follower in like three of the 55 areas. But you withhold in other areas, that's going to come out. That will manifest itself. If you believe that God has his best in mind for you and you're willing to follow him, then you are on the path to God's best. The quote goes on to say, the history of mankind will probably show that no people has ever risen above its religion. And man's spiritual history will positively demonstrate that no religion has ever been greater than its idea of God. So there's lots of things trying to shape and form your idea of who God is. And that comes from all the influences that we're allowing into our lives. You understand? It comes from all the influences that we are allowing into our eyes. Is anybody forcing you to watch Fox News? Is anybody forcing you to watch CNN or MSNBC or every TikTok or every Facebook thing? Or is anybody, like they're just like there with a gun to your head. Amen. They're not doing that. So you have control over what's coming into your mind that's going to develop your, uh, what's in your heart and what's going to come out of your life. And you can choose to have a filter on that. A.W. Tozer goes on to say, remember this guy like passed away in the 60s, so this is lifetime wisdom. For this reason, the gravest question before the church is always God himself. And the most important fact about any man is not what he has given time, uh, what, what he has at a given time, or what he may say, or what he may do, but what he in his deep heart conceives God to be like. What do you conceive God to be like? And who's giving you that input of what God is like? You may have grown up in an angry church with hell, fire, and damnation from the stage. And you walked away every week feeling like you were beat up and you're just like, man, I'm going to, if I can just crawl into purgatory, that'd be great. We don't believe purgatory is real, but that's right. Like if I could just, if I could just slither up like, oh, I am awful. Is that what you are? Or is that what you believe God thinks you are? Finishing up the quote, we tend by a secret law of our soul to move towards our mental image of God. It's almost like you are exactly like the books you read, the input that you take, and the people you associate with. This is uh, true not only of the individual Christian, but of the company of Christians that comprise the church. Always the most revealing thing about the church is her idea of God. So as we looked at this sermon series, we want to understand what is God's idea on morality? What is God's idea on all of these topics that we talked about the best that we can understand it? And not twisting things and letting culture and letting everybody else and the newest person and the newest thing. Like what does traditional historical Christianity say about that? Matthew 15, 18, not in your notes or on the slides, but it was this morning in my mind. But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. And these defile them. 
For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual morality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defiles a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. This is a conflict between Jesus and the Pharisees, and these people didn't wash their hands, and they started eating, and Jesus is like, time out. It's not on the external that makes you dirty. It's where you're at in here, and what you're at in here, where you're at in your heart, is greatly determined by how you view who God is. Grace and truth. Truth is best served in relationship. Amen? How many people appreciate a truthful friend? How many people appreciate a truthful friend when they tell you something very, very difficult that you didn't necessarily want to hear that hurt you and they risked it all to possibly end the friendship by, by loving you so much that they were telling you something they thought was very dangerous that was happening? A step that you were about to take Thank you. No, a step that you were about to take, and they were like, no, 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 no. Hold on. Let's think about this. A faithful, true friend who has built enough relational capital with you, has loved you in the low times and in the high times, and walked life through you, they would look you in the, right in the eyeball and just say, nah, brother. No, 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 sister. That is, that is a path of destruction. That's why we said that we're all level, all on level ground as we approach the cross. So here's what we talked about. I'll re- these are all online, but I'll refresh you quickly what we talked about. What we talked about, at some point, we have to submit to the authority of our beliefs. Now, who holds the authority? Who holds the authority in our life? Let's take a look at our uh, statement of faith online about the Bible. I actually do a screen thing for the folks back there. This is great. Uh, The Bible is God's word to us. Human authors, under supernatural guidance of the Holy Spirit, wrote it. It is the supreme source of truth for Christian beliefs and living because it is God-inspired. It is truth without any mixture of error. There are many translations of the Bible from ancient languages to English, and we will not be decisive about uh, the various versions. This is our statement of belief. We believe that we can stand on God's word. That this should have even more influence in your life than the other things that maybe get a little bit more time like the television or our phones. This has the authority in our life. Psalm 119, 105, your word is the lamp for my feet, a light on my path. Psalm 119, 160, all your words are true. All your righteous laws are eternal. Proverbs 35 and 6, every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words or he will rebuke you and prove you a liar. Matthew 5, 18, for truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of the pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17, all scripture is God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's the authority. Next, next uh, message we talked about was uh, sexual uh, brokenness. And sexual brokenness is relational brokenness. And it comes to the fact of who gets to define our sexual um, m- morality. And we're getting to reap the consequences of how we have been defining our sexual morality. Do we have God's idea of sexual morality 
Or do we have man's idea? Two consenting adults is what I said with air quotes a lot. Was the end of our modern sexual ethic? Or do we have a biblical sexual ethics? Is God's uh, vision for sexuality a better way? Does the creator know more? I would say yes. You know what's interesting? I like basketball. I had a sad night last night. My bracket got blown up. It's over. I don't care now anymore. I'm so mad. We were two for 20. I mean, I wasn't playing, but, you know, it was not great. Um, but so watching sports things, it's interesting in seeing our culture, and this kind of stuck out to me. Uh, there, was a, there was a basketball player named Ja Morant, and he is a phenomenal basketball player. Like, he is highlight central. And he was in the news for not having great highlights recently. And he received an eight-game suspension from the NBA, and they were very angry at Ja Morant. Not angry at him. Disappointed because they might lose some money and some people following him. But Ja Morant, his, why they were so angry at him, and he even says this in their, like, kind of like their discipline thing to him, is because uh, he was unsafe with a firearm, and they weren't sure, sure whose firearm this was. And my mentor in firearm safety said, you never want to point anything, you're pointing a gun at anything you don't want to destroy. And he had the gun pointed like this, and he was waving it like this. And that's a bad place to try and destroy something. And so they were really, really angry about this thing that he, you know, there's young kids that follow you and doing all these things. You're a mentor and you're a guide and you're sitting there holding the gun and waving this gun around. That's what they were angry about is how he was holding a firearm and that he was brandishing a firearm. You know what they didn't really care about, it appears to me? The fact that he was at a strip club. That's fully okay. I mean, obviously, that's fine. I mean, that's just what people do. But, you know, you're, you're a picture of a firearm, oh, no. And it just kind of it was interesting to me as I think about our, our, our sexual ethics and what culture is saying, what sports are saying. You being a basketball player at a strip club, acceptable. Fully okay, no big deal. You know, you holding a gun inappropriately, oh, my goodness. And so as you pick and choose what sexual ethic you're going to be a part of, culture is going to draw you to a different sexual ethic. 1 Corinthians 6, 18. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Next thing we talked about was God's idea about marriage and singleness. And God's idea of marriage is best. Who it is for and its purpose that it has in creation. And we also talked about that singleness is to be honored. Some people are actually called to be single. They actually don't want to live in misery sometime. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Not really. No. Uh, no, like, you're like, come on, come to my misery. Get married. No. Um, no, marriage is awesome, right? It's awesome when you're both submitted to the Lord. But, like, people are called to be in singleness, and there's nothing wrong with being single, Nothing's wrong with being single. Some people are called to be single and we, should, we shouldn't look at somebody like they're messed up because they're single. Maybe they're like exactly where God wants them to be. And singleness does not mean aloneness. Because you are single does not mean you're alone unless you choose to be alone and you choose not to be engaged in community. But you are not alone. God's best is knowing whose you are and what purpose you serve. And then we talked about 
uh, the difference between same-sex attraction and same-sex behavior. When we looked at those six different scriptures uh, about uh, uh, homosexual or, or, or same-sex attraction and same-sex action. And Adam did a great job on that. If you missed it, you know what? He did it with great compassion and great heart and how we are to love folks very well. You know, here's the thing, guys. You know what the number one problem in real life on the Palouse is? Not same-sex attraction. We've got a, a billion more things right in front of us, but we do have to uh, have people understand the difference between same-sex attraction and same-sex behavior. And I thought Adam did a great job when we talked about that. And last week, I got the privilege of talking about gender, how culture does not define gender, God does. And it was interesting, uh, Carrie brought this up to, this, up to me this week because everything's kind of, I don't know, it's like... Whoever's listening to you and putting things on your ads, on your, on your uh, computer and all those things and placing things right in front of you. But we're talking, there's this uh, famous scientist and atheist who just hammers religion all the time named Richard Dawkins. And he's a biologist. He's a, uh, I believe he's English. And he just hammers, like he's hammering things all the time. Like he's not the fan of Christianity. He is like full-blown atheist, doesn't even believe in God. And here's what. Richard Dawkins was making a comment about J.K. Rowling and how she was getting hammered for her belief that there are two genders. And during a recent interview with the British journalist uh, Piers Morgan, famed atheist and biologist Richard Dawkins declared that there are two sexes, and that's all there is to it. Period. And then there's another organization that's getting together that's trying to control word and have, have word thought control. And they were pushing in on Richard Dawkins. He's like, I don't care what you say. Like, they're trying to get word, rid, rid of, the, of the words male and female. They're trying to get rid of the words mother and father. They're trying to get wor- rid of the words grandmother and grandfather. And he's like, I don't even care what they say or what they do. I'm going to use those words. And it's a scientific organization trying to change the wording. So we talked about gender and that God's idea about gender is best and that we are to have compassion for those. And if you remember the moment in the service where I talked about, can you imagine what it would be like to feel trapped in the wrong body? And can you imagine how much compassion and love that those folks would need from the church to walk with them and let the Holy Spirit do the changing in their lives, but to walk with them? That we are never to point fingers and make fun of people or do things that would be irreverent. Like we walk in grace and in truth. And what if you took the time to build relationships with folks to actually talk to them about the truth as you understand it and walk with them? There is no problem that's going on in my life or your life that's too big for God. Not one. So how do we finish up this series? How do we walk in grace and truth in all of these areas? Well, first of all, it greatly depends on your view of who God is and what he thinks about you. Romans 8, 31, it says, we're more than conquerors. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? These things that he was referring to was all this persecution And you better believe me that the Christians were persecuted, right, by Rome and by culture and by everything they were saying to, you know, whatever the masses are doing, this is a true statement for a long time, whatever the masses are doing, do the opposite and you'll probably be okay. And the masses and the culture and the time with Paul and with Jesus, the masses were doing things that we're observing right now. 
And so they're going through this great persecution. But if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one condemns. Christ Jesus died. Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Not even culture will separate you and I from the love of Christ. Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor any else, anything else in all the creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. That is Christ Jesus our Lord. I want you guys to prepare your hearts to receive God's word right here. I want you to be like anything that's weighing you down right now, you get to release it. And I want you to know what God thinks about you. I want you to know what he thinks about his creation and by every soul in this room. Father God, I just ask that this word right here that you gave me, Lord, will will wash over everyone in here, including me. Let me believe it, Father God. Put it in all of our hearts. Let us soak in your word. For the director of music of David, a psalm. You have searched me, Lord. You know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and you lay your hands upon me such knowledge is too wonderful for me too lofty for me to attain where can I go from your spirit where can I flee from your presence if I go up to the heavens you are there if I make my bed in the depths you are there if I rise on the wings of the dawn if I settle on the far side of the sea even there your hand will guide me Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. For you created me. My inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I made, uh, when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven, woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. 
all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. All of God's people are fearfully and wonderfully made. If you want God's best, you got to invite him into your heart. Let him take reign in your life and lead you to an everlasting path. His best. If you have drifted away from his ways, if you're being drawn by the culture away from your creator, come back. Teshuvah, come back. Get on the path. Be part of of his restoration plan. Don't just identify the problems and see them out there and be a problem pointer. Be part of the solution. Join him. Join him. Join him in grace and join him in truth. Amen? Amen. We're going to take this time to celebrate in communion the fact that Jesus Christ came down to this earth and the fact that he went onto a cross and died a physical death and rose again. We get the privilege of doing this every week. If you're new with us this week and you're just, this is your first time, if you're a Christian, we would love for you to join us in communion. You can raise your hand. We got one in the back right there. We want to come to the table every week and remember why we're here, what we're doing, and who we serve. Amen? And take this together. So the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body. This is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember him. In the same way, he, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink in remembrance of me. Let's remember our Savior. Father God, we get the privilege of returning to you at any moment. Because your Holy Spirit is within us, it is right there for us, Lord. In our dark times, our difficult times, all we have to do is acknowledge and ask. Lord, I just ask that you would just help this community live out your plan for restoration and that we would do it with amazing grace and that we would hold fast to your truth. That we would earn the right to have great conversations, heartfelt, loving conversations where we look deep into each other's eyes because we have hope. We have hope for community. We have hope for connection. We have hope for love. And a love that's, that's your love, not a judgmental love, but a pure and a holy love like you have for us. Father God, may your hand be on every person in here. Every soul would know that they were created on purpose for a purpose. Let us continue to find our path together as a community. I say this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.